The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we are talking to Mike Howell, PESE, who is the president and owner of Aero Engineering. Mike is a licensed structural engineer who has experience as both a contractor and a designer. He specializes in providing engineering services for design build projects and has experience in several different types of projects. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. And I'm your co-host, Kara Green. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week with Michael Howell. Mike. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us on the Structural Engineering Podcast. Now, we've done a brief introduction on you, but can you tell us in your words, as the president and CEO of Aero Engineering, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, thanks for having me on. This is really quite an honor. Uh, Aero Engineering is a structural engineering company in Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, We do projects that range from residential all the way up to heavy industrial. My days typically consist of usually a mixture of doing design work or running some calculations or doing some of our drafting to scoping out new projects, dealing with proposals. And then ultimately, probably the majority of my time is spent kind of managing the projects that our other engineers are working on, just making sure that they have what they need to get those projects done. I know you've been in a lot of uh, businesses and work for a lot of firms. When and why did you decide to go into business? How did that go into your career path in terms of working for other companies? I have worked for several firms. Um, and I will say, you know, I've worked for some great firms through my career. I kind of look back now and realize, you know, some of the great mentors that I had and some of the engineers I got to work under and some of the projects that I got to do at those companies. And, you know, I've really had kind of a blessed career where I've gotten to do a lot of different things. But, you know, even so, it was probably early in my career. I guess I started noticing that I wasn't fitting well into other people's systems. I mean, it, you know, I got along, I worked great, I had good companies, but I just didn't like doing things for the sake of doing things. And it's like in all these different companies, they would be doing things that they had done for years that didn't make sense or that I saw could be done better, but they were kind of ingrained into the corporate culture. And it just one of those things that always kind of, I noticed that I didn't really agree with. And then probably about five years ago, I went on and got an MBA. And I really started thinking about the business of what we do as engineers. And, and I found a real passion for running business and for business in general. And then it just kind of became a slow evolution of, I found a, an opportunity uh, and in 2019. That was the, the chance I had to go full-time and start Arrow as my full-time company. So, You mentioned the MBA. Was that something, do you think, for people started wanting to start their own business, is that something that you found helpful or was it supplemental? Or do you think just being in the industry for so long uh, is enough? After I got my PE, it was probably a year or two after I got my PE that I really started thinking about you know, the MBA too. And it was a great progression for me 
kind of after you got that technical side to start thinking about the business and start thinking about a business degree. And to be quite honest, I absolutely loved my MBA program. Now, I wish I could go back now and, and kind of take an engineering degree again, because I think in some ways education is lost on the young because you don't realize what a great opportunity it is just to learn uh, and to have these resources that you can learn from. And so I was getting my MBA as an older individual. I was in my early thirties at that point. And I think that made a big difference because I had some life experience and I uh, was able to apply it into the real every day of what I was doing as an engineer. And that really made it a lot more useful, I think, for me. I think education is great. You get what you put into it. And I really just fell in love with doing the business school. I, I was doing the extra readings. I was doing the extra assignments and you know all the stuff I probably didn't do as an undergrad, but it was a really beneficial degree for me kind of to make this decision later on. That's great advice to our listeners. I have a lot of friends who are either in the process of getting their MBA or have just gotten it or planning on getting it. It's interesting to think about, especially because, you know, a lot of disciplines outside of engineering really benefit from the engineering background and all of the things that we learn in engineering school in our education or through practice, it just expounds upon our success in other in business. I have a friend, he was a civil engineer and now he's in medical school. It's really interesting how you can facilitate a career with a basis in engineering and then you can really kind of capitalize on that in any which manner you wish to. 100%, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, after you got your business degree, that's really when you started looking at starting a business. And you, it sounds as though you had some things that you thought would be more successful in practice than maybe what other firms had done in the past that you had worked for. Can you kind of tell us what most important attributes to you are for a successful engineering business? It really comes down to your definition of success. You know, Aero Engineering is a two-year-old firm. I still wake up every day with the same kind of roller coaster of emotions of like, hey, we're doing great, you know, and oh great, what's going to happen tomorrow? And and I think we're still finding what our place is in the market and kind of what our company is going to be. For us, success looks different than the company that's been around for 50 years. But I guess the best way to to maybe answer this would be to explain kind of what Arrow does make us successful and what has led to our success over the first two years that we've been in business. Uh, Arrow is built on three ideas: you know, be an expert, be passionate, and be a servant. Being an expert is we strive for our engineers to be well educated, to be licensed, to you know continually engage in that concept of lifelong learning where they're not just understanding what the book says, but they're understanding how to step outside of it and see the problem from a different perspective. That has helped tremendously kind of establish Arrow very early on in our tenure as someone that people can come to to get a real answer, get a good decision. The other thing is just a passion. I mean, I think if you're going to be successful in anything, you have to be passionate about it. You know, I was trying to share with our team just not too long ago, just the, the joy that it is to do what we do. When you stop and you think about what the projects that we're involved with and the clients that we get to interact with, you realize that every single thing that we're doing is someone else's dream. And we get to be part of that in some small way. And when you can really see your job in that perspective, it's truly humbling to do that. And also it should really inspire you to keep doing more and to keep working hard. And 
last thing is, you know, being a servant in the structural engineering field and the civil engineering field and, you know, a larger sense, we became engineers to serve. I know in my own track record, in my own history, one of the reasons I chose civil was because I enjoyed serving society and I wanted to make a difference uh, in this world. And as a company, if you don't embody the servant attitude, then, you know, you're not going to be very successful. And so we always tried to humble ourselves and to become a servant for our clients. And so I don't know what makes other companies successful or not. I mean, the companies I've worked with were successful for probably other reasons, but I think for what Arrow is and for what I try to instill, it's just that idea of being an expert, being passionate, and then ultimately serving. Thanks for that, Mike. I definitely agree on that one, especially with the the purpose and the mission and why you, the impact that civil engineers, structural engineers have on the environment. It, that's what I always tell engineers is uh, it's really easy to get stuck in the weeds, maybe once you've been in the job for a couple of years, and then you kind of lose track of why you're even doing stuff. But when you look at the bigger picture and you look again, always like reassessing like who you're helping, how you're helping, how you're making an impact, it really does uh, help keep that North Star still in place and keeps you going and I think ignites that passion again or, or sustains it because it's really easy to just get stuck in the weeds and forget why you're doing stuff. You mentioned how other firms do it. I think maybe we can all agree it's businesses are made up of people and the people that you're serving and that are on your team makes an impact on how successful your business is. So being so busy, how do you uh, remain people focused and how do you prioritize the needs of uh, your employees? When I started Arrow, I had some very distinct thoughts about what an engineering company should be. And one of the things I had realized after my MBA, uh, we had touched on it a little bit earlier, is engineers are so well-equipped to be independent and to be professionals. And if you look at our, our career track, that's what we're striving to be is, is sort of a, an expert in our own fields and you know, within our businesses. And so if you're going to have a, a company that employs other engineers that are already of such a high caliber and are already so you know well equipped to do what they need to do, then really the purpose of the company is to allow those engineers to be the best that they can be. I know when I've hired engineers uh, so far in Arrow and the ones that we have working for us now, I was conscious about what their own goals were. And I wanted to understand where do they want their careers to be and what type of projects do they want to get involved with and what is their philosophy and why they chose to do this profession. And the ones that have been the most successful and are part of our team now, the answers to those questions fall right in line with what you know I want Arrow to be. And so I don't know if there's a magic answer for how you do it. I just daily something that I try to be conscious of. You know, every project that we work on or undertake, I try to be cognizant of what their needs are, of what their fears are, of what they're struggling with, also what they feel successful about and what makes them motivated to do what we do. And then as long as I can help with that, I want to give them those type of projects and those experiences that they find the most rewarding to be part of. But it's not something that there's a magic answer for. And for every one time I've probably done good with it, I've probably done it bad twice. So it's just something I'm very conscious of and something that means a lot to what our company is going to be. It's great to hear a president that speaks about boosting his personnel. I think that's important, especially I think sometimes if you don't cater to your employees, that's a great way to fail a business. 
you mentioned like helping others achieve their dreams. I mean, because they do that work for you as well as their CEO and president. It's kind of a twofold system. You both boost each other up. Exactly. But you mentioned, of course, that you started your business, give or take, about two years ago. There are many reasons why a lot of engineers choose to start their own firm. And you've mentioned a few reasons for yourself. But I can assume, since I don't have my own firm, that starting an engineering firm is not an easy endeavor, especially given the current situation. So I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. What are some of the most rewarding as well as the least rewarding aspects of starting your own engineering company? What were some of the benefits and the challenges that you have faced over the past couple of years? I'm asked this question a lot. I think it's what's on the mind of everybody who has ever thought about this. And I laugh when I'm asked this because there was a point where I was in the planning process for doing this, you know, maybe the year or two before I actually did it, where I was really daydreaming what this was going to be like. And I sort of had the... I laugh now because it, it's just so funny. And I had this vision that I would wake up and maybe work for a few hours and I would have all this freedom and flexibility. And I was so excited for that, the head of the company and the flexibility, the freedom, the free time, I thought. And all of it was a lie. I mean, I found out now. I mean, none of that has actually happened. I work twice as hard as I ever did. I work longer hours. I work more often. Yeah, I'm constantly juggling around my kids and my family and whatnot. So I laugh because that's what I always thought was going to be the most rewarding part of this. And and I've learned something in two years, and I'm 100% sincere when I say this, that the best part of having your own company is having employees. And we just talked about, you know, trying to, to make them successful. And I've just discovered that having a team around you and having this crew that you can kind of see and watch develop and get excited for them to grow is so rewarding. I gave Christmas bonuses last year and that stands out to me as like the best day since I've started Arrow. No, they weren't big. I mean, it was the end of 2020 and COVID and everything, but just simply to be able to do that, I realized, wow, this is the coolest part by far. And then the other side of the question is, you know, what's the least rewarding? Yeah, I don't like that question as much because even the hardest days, the late nights, the long hours, the weekends of work have been rewarding in their own way. I mean, it's just a different feeling, I guess, when you're kind of working for yourself. It shouldn't feel like hard work, you know, even though it is. And it's very challenging to do it. But probably the part that has been the, the most difficult is maybe a better way to, to phrase it. You know, there's no playbook for doing this. There's no rule book. There's no right way or wrong way to do this. And it can be a very lonely decision. And to just be, you know, to open up the curtains and kind of share the inner feelings, it's a challenge to deal with the independence. It's what everybody wants. But when you're faced with the reality of it and you realize that it's just you making these decisions, it can be a real challenge. And all the insecurities and self-doubt that we all deal with will come full force whenever you're responsible to yourself for your lifestyle now and for your income and everything like that. That's You will face every demon you know, inside of you. And, and I think that is probably the hardest part in the last two years is, is facing loneliness with it. And then you get those other days too. And it has been single-handedly the best thing I've done and simultaneously the hardest thing I've done is maybe the best way to put it. Maybe on the internet nowadays, like entrepreneurship is kind of idolize like being a movie star or something. But then when you actually talk to the people that actually do it, it's tough. People see all of the successes, but they see none of the failures because all the failures have like failed and you don't see them. 
But when you like look at all these uh, successful companies, like, oh, that looks cool. But you look at the statistics, there's like a 90, 95% failure rate of new businesses. And you only do see the successes. And going into business by yourself, I can imagine it is, you know, if you're an employee, you can expect to check. You may have a good week. You may have a bad week. You're still going to get paid. But if you're on your own, it's all on you, (laughs) especially when you're starting up, like you're making the decisions. If you don't do something, you're not going to get paid. (laughs) It's uh, sometimes I would imagine more daunting than just being uh, an employee, you know, and what you also said about it's tough. But I think the major thing that it's tough work, but as long as it's rewarding and fulfilling, that's the main thing, because any job is not going to be fun 100% of the time. But at the end of the day, is it fulfilling? Is that something that you find rewarding and that you, at the end of the day, you can get fulfilled by it? So uh, great points. Yeah. And I was just going to mirror exactly what Matt said. I have some baby cousins who are around 16 and 18 and all that they see on Instagram are these entrepreneur videos where it's like Maseratis. And I'm like, I don't think it's actually like that. I'm sure our listeners can appreciate, you know, the very honest reality check is that it is hard work. And, you know, as engineers, we appreciate hard work. All of us work hard, but it's nice to get your perspective on what exactly your hard work looks like. And we appreciate you being honest about that. And the internet has uh, romanticized entrepreneurship. Five years ago, and I was finishing the MBA, I wanted to be was an entrepreneur. I was so in love with the word entrepreneur, right? And I had that image of like, you know, sitting in the coffee shop and working from a laptop and like just that ultimate freedom. But the reality is, is like now I can't stand when people call me an entrepreneur. Like it just, it's such a fake word. I was talking to a group not too long ago in an entrepreneurship program. And, and I said, you know, look, you can strive to call yourself an entrepreneur. And that's great. I mean, for $25, you can start a business with the state secretary of state and you're an entrepreneur. Great. But if you want to be successful, you have to embody the characteristics of entrepreneurship, which is a whole different thing than just simply slapping the title entrepreneur on yourself. And a lot of it is like what you guys said, the internet has completely clouded what that looks like. Do you see a difference between self-employed engineer versus an engineer that's actually opening up their own firm? Is there a difference between that? I do think there is. I mean, we've alluded to a few times now, engineers are so well-equipped already to do this. And, And really, a business degree on top of an engineering degree is a good thing, but you're already equipped with the hardest parts of a business degree, which is the critical thinking and the logic and stuff like that. And And I think that's probably undersold just how well-equipped engineers are coming out with just even an undergrad degree in engineering to be successful business leaders. And I think the decision to go off on your own to become self-employed is a commendable one. I think it's a difficult decision. I mean, just on the, the reality side that you're no longer getting that consistent paycheck is a challenge that is, you know, worthy of some notoriety to go ahead and do that. I will say in two years of now operating Arrow, there is a vast difference between going off on my own and becoming self-employed and trying to grow a business. I look back now, and although I, I reckon how difficult it was to make that decision, it was a relatively simple one to execute. All you had to do was worry about yourself. And you can buy the software, you can buy the insurance, you can buy the programs you need and the books and everything. You can sit down at your desk and you can do engineering. And it's, you're already equipped with the skill set you need to do that. 
But now having decided probably about a year in that I wanted to become more than just my cow engineering, that I really saw a vision for what Arrow needed to be in this industry and in this market, that a whole new set of challenges came on. Logistically, you know, payroll, taxes, uh, the forms, there was a lot of surprises that I had just never even considered that companies have to think about and put in. There's the hiring. How do you find good people and how do you share your vision with them and let them share their vision with you and figure out a way to work together towards it? Uh, I mean, there's just an endless amount of decisions and, and problems and challenges that have come with the decision to try and grow a business versus just being self-employed. The challenges are harder, but the rewards are a lot better. Like we talked about, having employees is, is great. Be able to take on bigger projects. And that was really the decision that I was faced with is there was an opportunity to either stay self-employed and stay single, but I was going to be limited in the scope and the depth of the projects that I could take on. But I wanted more and I wanted to take on some bigger challenges. And I saw an opportunity to take on some of those. And that was the decision that was made kind of around me that let's try to grow a business, not just make it all about me. What effects did the pandemic have on you going from a single self-employed engineer to growing an actual, you know, a part of In my wildest dreams, I could have planned for a worldwide pandemic six months after I started my company. And, and there was a day, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday in early March of 2020. I hit send on an email and I sat down and there was nothing left to do. I had no projects that were coming around. I can just remember thinking like, this is the moment that every person who chooses to go off in their own fears is I have nothing on my little board and I don't know what to do. And in that kind of the darkest moment there, I really did touch on something that was kind of profound, at least for me. And it helped get me through. And now I think it's led to a lot of success since then. And that's just, if we have one thing to work on, we'll work on it as hard as we can. It, like it was kind of a, like a movie scene. Like I, I just got up, I went back to my desk and I started rewriting our specs. And then the phone started calling a few days later and COVID-19 will forever shape what Arrow will become in the future. Part of that is we will always stay kind of a remote company. I mean, we've got three full-time engineers. One of them lives two states away. And so we're already kind of adopting that remote business model. And I think as we grow, that's what we're going to do. And as I look forward even now to some growth strategies, another thing that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic was diversifying. Very few other firms in the area that we're in take on residential work, but all of a sudden people were at home and sitting around their houses. And so we survived COVID by crawling in people's basements and designing their additions and stuff like that. Now, we're still doing a lot of that work, but we've significantly changed into some bigger projects and things like that. But that's one of those things that I think we will always adopt that because those are such rewarding projects for their own reasons. We're going to always be striving to grow that way. And you know, if I look at some future strategies that I'd like to employ, it's actually centered around a completely remote business model where we have engineers operating out of perhaps completely different cities and we're trying to build a network of people who adopt that same idea and are willing to embrace that. And so I think it gave us a real opportunity. At first, I didn't believe that. <laughs> I didn't believe that through a lot of 2020, but where we don't have the business model of 30 years ago to contend with and to change, we are going to form a structural engineering company based on 2021 realities. And that I think gives us an enormous opportunity that if there's ever something positive in the business world out of what we come through, it's a huge opportunity for us to do that. 
And that's actually great. I'm excited to hear of an engineering firm going completely virtual. With 2020, I think one of the benefits that we have seen is the infrastructure of virtual work has, you know, grown significantly, making everyone the possibility of being virtual. There's a couple of firms that I worked with, and I keep getting notifications on LinkedIn of like their CEO looking at how to move an engineering firm that used to have an office space to virtual or flexible work. So it's a very forward thinking type of mentality. And I think that's great. It's going to depend on uh, the types of people, because I think maybe the industry before people thought, oh, it's too tough or it's too overwhelming, it's too strict. But then when COVID opened up, maybe I'm thinking positive here, like opportunities where there is remote work and it's more flexible, that it can give people that don't have that flexibility, maybe with families or whatnot, whatever's going on in their lives. It gives them opportunities to be like, oh, I can do this job because it's it's flexible and that's what I need in my life right now, but I still want to do engineering. So I think it opens up different opportunities for different types of people for if you want to stay in the office, go to a firm that works at the office. If not, you have options now. I think that's great. To end off here, what piece of advice would you give to our listeners out there that are maybe thinking of starting their own engineering company, especially in the, you know, the tough times that we're living in now? I think when you encompass all the things that we've talked about and probably every business book that's out there, the one unifying thing that I think has kind of got me through or or given me, you know, the opportunity to do this is vision. And you have to understand what your own vision is before you do this. I mean, in any career, I mean, you should never be taking a job with a company that you don't have a vision for where you want to go in that company. I mean, maybe that's a, a generational thing, but I just don't believe you should be working hard every day and not trying to get to doing something different. But if you are going to choose to become self-employed or to grow a business or I think too, it's important to distinguish that it's not always about starting a brand new company. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to grow, you know, maybe within your own company or in your own department. This is the time to be innovative and to bring on new ideas for businesses because everyone's sort of facing some very unique challenges in this post their COVID-19 world. So you don't have to start your own company and give up your paycheck to be, forgive the expression, an entrepreneur. You can bring that into you know, your own companies and to do some different things. When you get past all of it, you have to have a vision for what you want it to be. And I know that when I get most excited, it's when I start thinking about what Arrow is going to become, not what it is right now. And that, to me, gets me really, really excited to think about you know where our engineers are going to be in five years and what Arrow could be doing in five years. So if you are going to do this, take some time to understand what your vision really is. And from that point, let that lead everything else because... Everyone's got an opinion about how business should work and no one's right. What works for an engineering company is not what works for most other companies and vice versa. To sift through all that, to sift through all the information, it really comes down to vision and about seeing what you want it to be. What's the 2026 vision for Aero? To be quite honest, I want to be in multiple states and multiple cities. And I want when people think of who do they have to call to do structural engineering? I don't even want there to be a second guest. I want it to be Arrow name. Thanks so much, Micah, for being our guest and giving us an inside look of what it is to start your own business and all that entails, especially during these crazy times, maybe post-crazy times now, but 
we'll see about that. So thanks a lot. And uh, we enjoyed having you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mike. And I know our engineers listening really have, will take your very transparent view and adopt it and see whether or not they're going to be part of the great leave that Forbes keeps talking about. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Perfect. Thank you so much again. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, or any questions you may have. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 59, as well as any links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.